looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcasts. So check out RatSaddleReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Hello, Wayne and Greg. Uh, my name is Lee Gibson. I uh, came across Merciful Fate in a record store in Pinellas Park, Florida, 1984. Never heard of the band. Uh, seen the Melissa album, loved the cover, bought it. Didn't really like King's voice. Uh, don't break the oath, it later kind of got to me. And I became hooked and... Uh, uh, First saw the King in 87 in Bradenton, Florida on the Abigail Tour. Fantastic. Michael Moon on guitar. Uh, 1988 on the Them Tour, I got to work as a uh, local stagehand and uh, was drum tech. Played Mickey's drums. Fantastic. Um, seen him numerous times throughout the years. Um, I'm looking forward to Psycho Vegas in 2021 if that goes down. Uh, just saw the King in uh, Atlanta, November. Uh, love the king, worship the king, he is my idol. Some of my King Diamond Merciful Fate stuff. Stay heavy. Welcome to this broadcast belongs to them. It's been a freaking while. It's been almost like yes. a month, or it has been a month, actually. Yeah, I needed time for my killing spree, so I feel good. <laughs> Everybody I killed, I did it perfectly, man. They all th- they, they think they all died of corona. Fucking awesome. All right, good. 
Killer. <laughs> he must be the poisoner. Yeah, exactly. Ah. And I wear a mask so they can yeah. know who I'm. Well, doesn't everyone? I wore a mask and a Blink-182 shirt. Nobody will figure out that was me. <laughs> the killer was described as Gene Simmons wearing a Blink-182 shirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, right. I put a raccoon on my head. It looked just like Gene Simmons. <laughs> Uh, well, I meant I like you know the demon printed on a mask, but yeah, <laughs> you got explicit with that. All right, but uh, I'm glad everybody's done with the killing for at least for now, and uh, we're all joined to talk about Merciful Fate's time. Yeah, Tony Morgan's favorite awesome. Merciful Fate album. And if you don't know who Tony Morgan is, go check him out on Facebook. Uh, Stories from Hell, his Facebook group. But uh, yeah, welcome back, Lisa. Yeah, it's been a while. Yes. I think this is my favorite Merciful Fate album, too. I didn't know it until uh, you asked uh, if I'd want to join you guys to talk about it. And so I listened to it again. It had been a, a long time. And I'm like, damn, every song is my favorite song. Really? <laughs> it's mm. like every time I listen to it, it's like, no, that's my favorite song. No, that's my favorite song <laughs> on the album. So that kind of tells me I really did it. Really cool. Ralph, what's up, Hi. Mr. Fuck? How you doing? I'm doing, doing great, great, man. I listened to your uh, Alice Cooper thing I told you the other day. Very good show. Yeah, I fucked up big time. <laughs> we did a top 20 Alice Cooper songs, and without even noticing, I wrote 40 songs. And then by, <laughs> the, time, then by the time we got to 20, I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. All right, the last 20 was honorable mentions. I <laughs> 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 do it. Uh, like, I totally fucked that up. It did. And but the worst made, part was... Made for it, good podcasting. It did. But the worst part was I was trying to... Uh, I, I like to make a, a, a like a little playlist. And I was trying to follow along what he was saying. And then when he said he fucked up, I'm like, I'm not doing going to go over this again. So <laughs> fuck this that's guy. screwed that up. Yeah, fuck that. But, uh, yeah. I haven't watched listened. that one What's yet, it? but I've been watching the Judas Priest one. Yeah, oh, I just yeah. that one yesterday. There's two more. Two I more. Two more. Oh, wow, yeah. you made three parts of that, huh? Well, they well, do we have a big discussion. in one sitting, but I don't want to put up a three-hour episode, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I just cool. cut it. And plus, you know, it buys me time. Yeah. Uh, to make yeah. more. I have I have about ten episodes already for the viewer. Oh, really? uh, thanks to you, Wayne. I, I interviewed Hex. Oh. Wait to hear that interview. I did it with that wacky guy from the Alice Cooper show. Okay. Because cool. he is the biggest Hex fan. Yeah. And he was totally fanboying out, and 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 the guy from Hex was like, "Dude, I always want to quit doing my stuff." And then I hear you, I'm like, "Damn, I may be doing something right here," you know? Because <laughs> this guy used to go to school with a book bag that had Hex on it. I know because he was my guitar player. All he did was play Hex all the time. Wow. And, <laughs> so then when you told me, I go, "Oh, let me see if I can get this guy to do it." Yeah. Then I'll definitely do the interview. Yeah. So it went well. It was good. It's a great one. Really cool. It'll be up in like three weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. And Greg. Greg the VR Vault. VR Vault, yes. You can hear it on the uh, Rats Out Review Network, or you can hear it on Ralph's own network, whatever you, you know, uh, what, what is that, Spreaker and iTunes and everything you're on as well. Spreaker, iTunes, and uh, YouTube. Yep. So find them on there. And Ra uh, Ralph, uh, Greg. Yes. The biggest news. <laughs> oh that yeah! Record behind you. 
Greg got yes. the steal of the century. An original Don't Break the Oath green combat label with the inner sleeve for $3.95. Damn. <laughs> I assume somebody priced it wrong, but I just grabbed it, didn't say anything, and bought it. <laughs> Sweet. Their loss is your gain. Deal of the century there. That'll never happen again. <laughs> I just bought that a few months ago. I think I spent like $40, $45 on mine. Ah. And it has like a hole punch in it. So. A, a $4.23 with sales oh, yeah. tax. <laughs> that makes me sick. <laughs> I'll buy it from you for four bucks. No. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> four twenty-four. <laughs> Five dollars. Yeah, what is the is the price is right, man? <laughs> I'll give you ten dollars and a can of bo- of turtle wax. <laughs> turtle wax. <laughs> if not a price is right, I figure I'd throw that in. Doesn't even have a car. What's he going to do with the turtle wax? No, but he was talking about <laughs> prices right. I got I it. They used to have yeah, it. He can shine his bus pass with turtle wax. That's true. Yeah, you could. Or your scooter. You could also shine your helmet, you know. <laughs> or my hair. <laughs> that, that was what I meant, <laughs> You dick. Uh, all right, anyway. Merciful Fate, Time, the second album after the first uh, reunion, uh, when they came back uh, in the shadows. And so... one noticeable... Fourth album overall. This is the fourth album, yes. Uh, the one noticeable thing is Timmy Hansen has left. And now, yeah, I know, right? And now Charlie D'Angelo has taken over the bass playing for Merciful Fate. And Snowy Shaw, who was featured on the last album and, and, and picture, has now been featured in the album actually playing the drums. Yes. So that's and a very, very cool well. thing. Very yeah, well, very. yes. Yeah. It, it makes a huge difference, actually. Oh. Yeah, I like this one better than In the Shadows. Yeah, like back in in the Shadows, um, I, I feel like they held back a little bit too much, and in this album, they finally got uh, more progressive elements back into their music, and it just uh, you know, the drumming even reminds me a little bit of Kim Rose, even though it's you know not exactly, mm-hmm. but it's way better than uh, Martin, Morton Nielsen or whatever the hell his name was. But anyway, uh, Nightmare Be Thy Name, the first song on the album. Who wants to go first? I love it. It starts grooving. It just starts with a groove. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's 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 old school. It's got some proto elements to it. And you can sing along. It's catchy. It's got a beat. You can dance to it. Love it. Dance to any more. good, man. It's like that it. riff and that groove are killer. Mm-hmm. I agree. Would you I dance to this in your car, Ralph? Huh? Would you dance to this in your car? Once in a while, you do you, dance to music in your car on Facebook. That... <laughs> oh, he froze. He froze. He's, he's thinking. Hmm. He's... Did I dance in my car to this song? I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> he's in real deep thought. <laughs> oh, he's yes, coming back. I love no, you're frozen. You're frozen. Still frozen? I'm, yeah. No. I'm going to hang you up and call you back. Back on my end. Are you back now? Let me see. Move, oh. dude. No, I'm going to call you back. 
All right, you're back. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you danced to this song in your car? I, I dance to everything in my car. <laughs> That's why I have so many car accidents. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this song, by the way. I love that chorus, and I love when the chorus comes in at the end when uh, there's no band playing. It almost sounds like yeah. gospel. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, gospel from a satanic church, obviously. Uh-huh. It's got that echoey gospel feel. And yeah, that riff is awesome. Like it's kind of got that groove, and uh, it's just a badass. And I love the video too. Yeah, the, the video is really cool. I remember my friends telling me, "Oh, we gotta check out that new Merciful Fate song." It was on Headbangers Ball. I was like, yeah. "What? No one new song?" So obviously, I, I used to tape it because it was on way too late for me. You know, I was too young to stay up until midnight. So I, you know, went and watched that video, and it was really cool. I really liked it, and it was a good song too. Um, I, what I really like about the song is the the intro and how that like flange bass sound, because mm-hmm. you would never hear yeah you would never hear Timmy Hansen really add any sounds to his bass. He always just played straight bass. I think right. I don't remember hearing yeah hear him add any extra sounds. But that that was pretty cool. Something interesting. Yeah, yeah there's uh, a lot of post production on this, and that's one thing yeah. that I noticed with this. Like you were talking about that spot where where it's just the vocals. And then the band comes back in. It's a studio fade in. Yeah, yeah. So you can hear there's a lot there's a lot of studio magic going on, but it's all really uh, really well done, really clear. It doesn't sound sterile. It still just fucking rocks. But uh, but you could hear everybody clear as a bell. And then just the reverb tails on the vocals and everything, and how clear the drums sound. I mean, this is a really well produced album and it was tim kimsey again and uh he's a grammy award winner oddly for a gospel album (laughs) yeah Yeah, oddly enough wow Uh, i also i love the opening lyrics uh like how it says uh, master you know i never pray master nothing can keep you away Mm -hmm. i love that part um and i also like how he sings the uh the the, uh, chorus part he sings it low he doesn't do i mean he has like the background high notes in the background but he sings like the main of it low, and I like that, you know. Which I he noticed. I noticed he started doing a lot when they came back, you know, from uh, being retired. He didn't do like a lot of the screaming. I mean, he does in the background, but he uses like a regular voice, you know, mm-hmm. which is good. And I think a lot of people can get into that a little bit more than like with the old stuff because he does too too much high stuff. I know a friend of mine, he likes Merciful Fate, but he likes the newer stuff because he doesn't use that those high notes as much. Uh, and I love that that breakdown in the middle, and uh, it's definitely my top one of my top twenty merciful fate songs. I agree. Yeah. Uh, song two, Angel of Light. Satan makes his triumphant return to a yeah. merciful fate album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of conversation was on the old song. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, it's like he's renewing his vow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a great song, too. This is probably my favorite one on here, actually. Yeah. I like how it's, it starts, like, very upbeat. Just gets right to the point. Mm. Really, really catchy guitar stuff. Uh, some really good solos. A song short, though. It's a little bit over three minutes. So it's really not a long song. That's perfect. Yeah. Keep right it straightforward. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very straightforward. for Yeah. They're really good at packing a lot into a short song, though. They've always been able to pack 
I've always been surprised because, you know, when I listen to Iron Maiden and I hear, you know, the epic songs that I love and I'm like, yeah, this one's six minutes long and that one's seven minutes long. But with with Fate and King Diamond, it seems like, wow, is that song like four minutes long? You know, holy, yeah. holy crap, how they pack so much goodness. Although, yeah, this one is a little more straightforward, boom, chuck, you know, rock. And yeah, you can dance to it. <laughs> a lot of dancing. <laughs> Dance to the to Lucifer. Come on. Oh sure. Why yeah, not? swinging for Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph. Oh, Wayne's got a Christian album coming out. Yeah, I, I love it. It's like called I One Times. It. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what do I have coming out? You got your own Christian album coming out. It's called One Times, Two Times, Three Times, My Savior. <laughs> Lucifer, uh, Ralph. Yeah, I, I love it too. Like uh, Lisa said it perfectly. The thing about I love about Merciful Fate is that they cram so much in a song, and it doesn't even matter how how, how long. Usually, cram a lot of different riffs and changes. Most of the time, it's a little offset. Where this one, it's like it just matches perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's like they. They, they, when they change the tempo or whatever the riff, it's like flawless. It's like, yep. you know, you, you're not like, oh, sometimes, you know, when it goes into a different riff, like a couple seconds later, you're like, oh, yeah, change a little bit. You don't even notice, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, yeah, they make it and uh, I remember hearing this song for the first time and I got all excited. I heard Lucifer. I was like, oh, shit, Lucifer. I haven't heard that word in a while yeah. since the 80s from, you know. But it's great. I, I loves it. I can dance to my I can dance in my car to it. <laughs> Speaking of dancing, song three, Witches Dance. Another one they released a video for. This one was really cool because this time you got to see King uh, holding. I don't know who the hell's dog it was, but he was in the desert. We're holding the dog on a on a leash. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty yeah. cool. Nice Man, I haven't seen that video in fucking years. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot they even made it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks pretty cheaply made, you know. You just everybody, okay, it's dark, you got some lights, you got a dog, you got a fire, ah, mugging at the camera, boom, you got a video. Well, that's, you know, the one for the uh, for the uninvited guests off it, Into the Unknown, is basically just him sitting at that table with the candelabra singing or yeah. a shot of the band playing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still a cool video, but that's all that happens. It's either him sitting there or them playing. <laughs> but uh, it's another catchy song, uh, and I might throw this another song on my top 20 favorites as well. Uh, I love the middle section where there's like that violin part, and then they have almost uh, that queen type, uh, you know, with the with the vocals. And even in, in the uh, video, they show all the four heads on the screen and then King in the middle, and they're all singing like, a, like the Bohemian Rhapsody uh, Video. <laughs> yes. It made me think more of Deep Purple, and there's actually yeah. a little, there's a rhythm part in this song somewhere towards the middle with the riff, mm-hmm. where it reminded me a little bit of Space Trucking. So that's what I thought of more oh, so. Interesting. Than, I'm actually not uh, really a, a huge fan of Deep Purple. I, I actually don't even really know any Deep Purple songs, so I uh, would never even guess that. Well, you know, that's <laughs> why you're. Is- that was funny. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, What'd you say, Lisa? You gotta listen to some more Deep Purple and then you'll be a I, fan. I do. I just I don't like smoke on the water. That really kills it for me. Well, you know, 
Ignore that one. You got to hear the space hook, man. That was the first song I ever learned on space. Highway Star, Black Knight, Highway Star. I don't like that one either. Demon's Eye. Come on, man. That one. Just yeah. like a demon to die. Lock her into the fire. I mean, god damn, they have a lot of good heavy ones. Pictures Flight of the home. Rat. Flight yeah. of the oh, Rat. Dude. Never Pictures played live. Pictures really? Never played live Flight of the Rat. Crazy, right? Such an that incredible. Someone's going to have to make uh, me a, a, a Deep Purple playlist. There you go. So I can. You will learn. be. All right. I'll take your word for it. All right. Who was next? So we're talking witch's dance. Witch's dance. Yeah, go ahead. Skit. I like in the in the chorus, and he's done this before, where he'll he's dancing the witch's dance while he's going, <laughs> oh, and he's singing the backup as just a ooh or an ah while he's yeah. you know, growling the word. And he's used that a lot. And I love it. I love it. And nobody else really does that. You know, has, has his own... It, because they share the same space. It's not like just this little backup part in the back. And that's what most people do when they have something that's like an awe in the background. You tuck it in the back. It's right. just like right up there in your face. It's like singing a duet with himself. And it's really badass. That whole song is just really well written, just musically, just the, the melody. It's just really memorable. All of it, the chorus yeah. melody, the pre-chorus, the, you know, the, the chorus itself, the verse, all of it. It's just really super memorable. Just great, great song. Yeah, it's definitely, it would definitely be in the part of a classic Merciful Fate uh, yep. collection there, I would say. Yep. You know this the whole this whole record is just so uh, fresh and classic sounding right off the bat though. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> in the shadows was kind of stiff almost on certain parts. This is kind of like fully we're back type yeah. of thing. Even though I know Timmy's not on it. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, the only thing that yeah. I would say about this album is that since Timmy's not on it. It's that it's more like that uh, where the bass is being used to thicken up the guitar parts and mm -hmm. doesn't really have its own independent part. And when you're a session player and you come into a session, a lot of times you're kind of like feeling people out and what do you need? And you can be kind of conservative. So I think maybe uh, Charlie was being maybe he was being a little conservative in the studio. Mm -hmm. Just show me the part. What do you want me to play? Instead of participating more, where it sounds like Snowy Shaw was like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "They're like, yeah, yeah, do that," you know. So you know that I'd say that would be my only disappointment is that, uh, yeah, the bass is a little more uh, restrained, subdued. Yeah, yeah. restrained. But it does sound, they, but it does sound natural. Everybody sounds natural. It sounds like to me, and this is you know, I've been in the studio a lot. Uh, that they actually probably had a, a good experience in the studio because there's some mm -hmm. records you can listen to and, and then you hear later on, oh yeah, people weren't getting along and and a producer was being a dick and uh, and then you and you listen to it and you go, yeah, this album sounds like these people are unhappy. This right, sounds yeah. like they had a good experience in the studio. I'm not sure because you know I'm thinking of the Michael Dinner interview. 
And I don't well, remember if he had a good time doing this album, did he? Greg, do you remember? He says it, right? It's going to be on this, uh, not this episode, really? but the next episode. I don't remember if it was this one or Into the Unknown. I think yeah, it might have been Into the Unknown where he said he didn't have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, it'll, it'll be in the interview. We're the done. performances are great. I, I think he said he really enjoyed the band during the time era lineup with Snowy and Charlie, if I remember correctly. And the one thing I forgot to mention was, um, I don't know why it is, but for some reason, a lot of people either love this album or hate it. And I, I guess I can kind of understand it, because I still think the production, like in, in The Shadows, it's it's a little thin sounding, you know? And there's just some something about the album just got like a very tinny sound to it. It just sounds, I don't know. It, that's the I, only thing I don't like about the album. I know what you're talking about, but however, I disagree that it's the whole album. I think, and Lisa mentioned it before, how his vocals are more so double-tracked on this, and there's yeah. some studio magic going on. Yeah. That tinny sound only seems to come into the vocals, specifically, when they're doing that. I don't know if they were having... I don't know, maybe issues figuring out how to track it up like that, but I hear what you're saying. It loses a little bit of its volume sometimes yeah. on some of the choruses when he's doing the ah in the background and doing like a speaking part at the same time. But um, I think the mu- the music sounds great. I think it sounds yeah, really punchy, awesome. actually. I mean, a- Angel of Light's a great example, you know. That's, that's like an... Like an old Saxon song, right, Ralph? Yeah, yeah, very uh, new wave of British heavy metal-ish uh, beginning, you know? Yeah. And then, and then Witch's Dance is almost like a prog epic, really. Your connection's yeah. way better now, Ralph. So, Witch's yeah. Dance. Cool. Witch's uh, Dance, uh, like you mentioned, I love the strings. Am I good? Am I You're still good? good? Right now, okay. good. Um, because if it, it continues going bad, I'll just turn my camera off because that's how I do my podcast. And I never have a problem with my podcast because it's only audio. So uh, anyway, you guys were talking about the video. I remember this video. I got to see it back then because by this time, Headbangers Ball was canceled, oh. and I had Spanish MTV here on the beach, and I used to see this video. And uh, yeah, it is a weird video. And like you mentioned, that Bohemian Rhapsody vibe. Yeah. Uh, it's great, though. It's one of my favorites on here. Not my favorite, but it's one of my favorites on here. Uh, I really dig it. I love it. Yeah. Like I said before, it's really, I would fit it right in with any classical uh, Merciful Fate song. You know? I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, next song Ugh, The Mad <laughs> Arab. <laughs> I love it. Starts out. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, love first, the intro. Well, first of all, the song uh, "Mad Arab" is about the H.P. Lovecraft character Abdul Al Zaharid. If I can. Al wrote it. Well, transcribed. Yeah. Right. And that's what basically the song is about the Necronomicon. And this is actually part one. On the next album, they do part two. Um. Now, here's where I kind of stopped liking the album a little bit. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that, like, Egyptian-ish type, you know, guitar chords and stuff. Because, in a way, I, sometimes I, I, I'm sick of hearing that. There's a, too many bands that do all that Egyptian shit. I, I don't know. I just get a little sick of it. No, but, 
the vocals bother me a little bit in some parts. Uh, and King saying Mad Arab just sounds kind of stupid to me. Uh, it's a shame because the story is interesting and I wanted to hear what part two would be like, which I actually like a little bit more. But uh, this song is just a little too all over the place for me. Just, uh, just does not fit on this album. It's a little too proggy. And it's, it seems like they just threw... And actually, they... Well, we'll talk about that later, but just too many parts in one song that just do not work for me. The song's not hmm. terrible, but it's my least favorite song on this album. Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, more Lisa. Well, you know, I kind of get what you mean because it's schlocky. And a lot of his performance is schlocky. You know, the mad Arab. And he's just really <laughs> it on. And then all the, also that that part at the end, he's running down. Hey, listen to the music. It sounds like somebody running. Right, yeah, yeah, let's sing about him running. So, it's, so, it's, so there's some corny shit in that. And then, yes, I would say some of the segues, like uh, I think, Ralph, you were saying earlier about uh, the changes in Angel of Light, how you don't notice. It's not like, right. oh, well, there did something really different. Maybe some of the segues were a little more clumsy in this song, but overall, I love this song, and I love yeah. I love the schlocky shit. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing I love about King Diamond is that schlocky horror movie, you know, yeah. it's a price kind of thing going on. So, yeah. I like right. it. I like Middle Eastern stuff. Sometimes. If they do it right, I do. I like yeah. it. But this one, not for me. Uh, any, any, my uh, Ralph. Uh, I really dig it. I mean, it is different for Fate uh, to sing about, you know, I know it's from the uh, book of ne- Necronomicon, but, you know, Egyptian. I mean, there was um, Curse of the Pharaohs. Yeah, you know? yeah. but they didn't well, use any Egyptian parts in that song. Exactly. So, mm. um, but I dig it. I mean, it's not a song I would skip. Actually, there's no songs I was good. Actually, there's one song um, I wouldn't say sucks, but it's, no, I'm not crazy about it. And it's not this one. This one is extremely tolerable, and I have no problem with the Mad Arab. I dig it. Interesting. And I'm going to assume you do as well, Greg. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I love this song. And like Lisa was saying, oh, Arab, not Egyptian. More Ravi Shankar than Tutankhamun. Arab, whatever. <laughs> I know what you were getting at. Yeah. <laughs> but I uh, I mean it's schlocky like a like a Roger Corman movie and you know <laughs> a, a, a lot of HP Lovecraft's actual stories are written like that with black humor so I thought it was perfect and he just sounds like he's having so much fun with it. It's a it's a great song and it rocks. <laughs> um the the only thing I do think is I think it comes a little early in the track listing. It, it kind of messes up the flow of the first couple songs there. I'd have moved it back a song or two. But to be oh to be later in the album. Yeah. I get yeah. Oh. Probably, yeah. I don't know. They maybe could have opened up the second side. That's what I mean. It yeah. it should have. Yeah. I I I just think it works better like that. All right. Um. Next song, my demon. Yeah. yeah. Now this one's a good one. My favorite part in this is the intro with the dueling guitars. I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the lyrics where he says, "Deep in the dark, you'll find us." I also like the part where he says, uh, "Be my demon," and repeats that. That's pretty cool. And he does it in that like demon voice, you know. 
yeah. and the, then the part where he's talking to himself, like about you know the uh, the stains on the floor and he won't come off anymore. I, I really like that part as well. Good song, good song. Not not the best song on here, but it's a good song. I I think it's it my favorite song. Your favorite really? song? I think it might be my favorite song on here. Uh, it's the most neoclassical song. You could you could imagine this as an instrumental on an Ingve Malmsteen album. Really, I really could. I can imagine this, and uh, yeah, and and actually, when they change up when he gets to the uh, when he gets to the the chorus, they actually shuffle. Ding 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 They actually go into a shuffle. Like what the hell? I think it's just I love this song and I love that part where he goes my demon and they hit this halftime. Boom 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 boom. I love this song. It's really varied. Uh, it's got a lot of dynamics. You know, the, the dark stains on the floor. <laughs> they won't come off anymore. It's ching, 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 ching. Yeah, that's good stuff. Super dynamic. Yep. Love this song. Uh, Greg. Um, I like this song. Uh, uh, like Lisa was saying, though, it's very neoclassical and very conceptual. This yeah. one song on here, just this one song, sounds more like a King Diamond solo track to me than a Merciful Fate one. So right. I find it kind of odd in that respect as far as how the flow of the rest of the album goes, but I still like it a lot. It's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the different parts are really cool. And I would like to end by saying I prefer that Ingve Malmsteen stay as far away from my imagination as possible. But... I'm not talking personally. I'm talking first album musically. You don't yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about his guitar playing everything. If it's not, uh, I'll see the light tonight. You, you can go right the hell back home. <laughs> my drummer is his drummer now. Did you know that? No, really? I didn't. Wow. Well, he won't be there long. He's <laughs> <laughs> been with him three years now. Really? And That's cool. He makes him wear a ponytail on stage. <laughs> okay. I a million Ingve stories, and they're all not good. <laughs> oh, I believe that 100%. <laughs> we'll have to do that after the show. <laughs> but uh, I, I love this song, My Demon. Um, it starts off kind of power metal. It has like a power metal yeah. feel. Mm-hmm. But but what what really man I remember the first time I heard this the chorus reminds me so much of Gates of Babylon from Rainbow. Listen to Gates of Babylon, then listen up. Okay. Yeah. The, it has that kind of structure of Gates of Babylon. Uh, I think it's very solid and it's adventurous and uh, it's a it's a really killer tune. I digs it. Yeah, really good. All right, last song on side one, Time. Very interesting song. Starts off with like a little harpsichord thing. Uh, I either like love or hate this song, really. Some nice vocal melody parts, but it just repeats itself a lot. Nothing really goes on in this song until the end, and they get a little heavy. I can kind of do without this song, really. I like it, and I listen to it. You know, when I listen to the album, I'm not going to skip it or anything, but it's just, I don't know, it just don't really do much. I love it. It's like an evil Pink Floyd. And the harpsichord <laughs> parts are beautiful. 
It reminds me a little bit of uh, little girls from the the uh, the eye. Yeah. Yep. King Diamond played the harpsichord on these tunes too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he played all the keyboards. He wrote he wrote this song. He wrote My Demon, and he wrote this song, too. I like it. It's a nice interlude, and it breaks up the album. And uh, it's one of those, like, get your lighter out, <laughs> you know, or hold up your phone and sway back and forth. It's one of those tunes to me. Yeah, yeah it's not terrible. Ralph? I, I think it's the best damn song on the album. Are you serious? I think it's a masterpiece. Yes. Get the hell out of here. Even though it's not sounding like <laughs> it's space, the structure, I think, is as amazing as the early stuff. The changes are incredible, how they blend together. I absolutely love this song. I think it's a masterpiece. And I think it's one of their most underrated songs because too many people think like Wayne. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Hey, the, the, the vocal melodies and the chorus are cool with the time, 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 you know, and all that crap. Man, I got to oh, turn the voice. It. It's cool. Yeah, I like that part. But the rest of the song, it's just too much repeated repetitiveness. Hey, hey, Wayne. But, you're well, right and I'm I, wrong. All right? I, you I, are. I you are wrong. I am, I am 100% wrong. I'm glad you, you are right, but I'm not agreeing <laughs> with you either way. I love being wrong when it comes to this song. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> Uh, what's your name? Oh, Greg. This would be my second favorite one. This really? is an awesome Holy song. I'm yeah. gonna just yeah. I'm, I'm stopping. Oh no, this is another one where it's like it's like real dynamic and, and the vocal melodies, not just the chorus, the way he sings throughout the whole song and the way the harpsichords interweave with it. You know, it's just it's it's awesome. Hey Wayne, I, I mean Greg, I have a question for you. Yeah. When it, when it comes to this song, aren't you proud? Doesn't it make you feel good that you're wrong, like me? Yes. <laughs> I guess yes, we're it all does. Wrong. It's a great yeah. feeling feeling wrong for this masterpiece called Time. We That's are right. Awesome. And it is. It, I really feel like it is a centerpiece of the album. I do, too. Well, yeah. they gave the album after It's the title track. Yeah, usually, you know? but usually they make a good song for the title track. Oh, man. The Poisoner. Oh. Best one of the greatest songs. You would have named oh, the album after something. Fools. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to put a big red sign that says wrong across all your faces yeah. during, the, during the show. And then uh, when you yeah. see the, the Poisoner, you put right on all our faces. That's right. Yep. <laughs> but that will end side one for now. Um, we're going to go to Snowy Shaw. And actually, hold on. Where the hell did I put it? Here it is right here. Snowy Shaw, the man who just released his book, his first book, Tons and tons of stories in this book. You can get it at steelcartel, I think, dot com. Uh, if you live in the U.S., if you don't live in the U.S., uh, and you uh, go to snowyshore.com, I believe. I don't know, but just look up Snowy Shore. You can buy this book. He autographed it. Autographed it for me. He just wrote Wayne Noon Rock. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Snowy Shore. But that's cool. Really cool book. I've yet to read it. So go purchase that. Cool guy. I saw. Yeah. I saw under that rock he wrote. You're right about the song Time. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is wrong. You're right. But, uh, yes, check out his interview. He'll, he'll actually talk about that book a little bit. He didn't give us too much information because he didn't have it done when we did well, this. Well, I mean, I mean uh, Ralph, what do you really expect from drummers? We all know what Spinal Tap went through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure... Snowy probably does feel the same because he's a drummer and there's not much going on with drums in this song. So he might be a little bored with this one. I'll ask him. Hey, Wayne, being a drummer, do you aspire one day to be a musician? 
Okay, I'm going to kick Ralph off the call again. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have anything to promote? Uh, Lisa? Do I have anything to promote? Yeah. Well, yes. Um, I don't have the CD with me, but I have, uh, I've got the CD, uh, The Poisoner, and I've got patches. And I've patches. got, I got t-shirts, white chrome t-shirts. So cool. And that's at uh, whitecrone.bandcamp.com. Dot com. I'm ordering mine today. It's about time. Yay. The hell's taking so long? Hurry I'm up. Broke. I don't have that many, you know, <laughs> men's size shirts. It seems like I ran out of the men's sizes. Oh, Hard really? To... Yeah. Right. And Ralph, got anything besides the Vieira Vault? Shut up, Dr. Fuck. Oh, oh I forgot where um... Yeah, got the Vieira Vault, Almost Human YouTube page, and uh, the Dr. Fuck Show on that metal station every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Join or die. Are we working on some new um, uh, Thrash or Die songs? Yes, actually, I just wrote a song the other day called uh, Black Shark that's really good. And it's not about a shark, it's about a car. And uh, uh, don't, don't let my inspiration for that title fool you, but... I got the I got the title from Knock 'em Dead Kid from Motley Crue. No, not Knock 'em Dead Kid. What's the song where he goes, Fight for the Black Sharks? Red Hot. Yeah. So Red Hot. Black Shark. That's a great title for a song. And it's a badass song. Me and my bass player worked on it. It may be the best Thrasher Dog song yet. Nice. I'll so, be the judge of that. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be wrong, but you know, I think it's great. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Think, I'm excited think, to hear it. I think it's our version of time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Greg, nothing? Good. Uh, all right, check out the Snowy Show interview, and we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right, uh, In the Shadows. Uh, now, you obviously didn't play on that album, but you were in the booklet of the album. Were you supposed to be recording that, or what? Mm thing is that um, after, like I said, the hiatus happened because after the eye, we only did one show after that. And then the band sort of, uh, Pete Black and Hal Patino amicably, amicably, is that the word? Uh, Yes. Quit the band (laughs) or or, or asked to leave or something. Yeah. Anyway, and they got replaced and all that. And they had sort of... um, terminated the, the, the contract with the Roadrunner Records and King wanted to uh, not renew that or, or he wanted to, to try to sign with a major label. So they went out shopping for a new record deal basically. And uh, and that turned out to take a much, be a, a lot harder than they, uh, than they expect, uh, expected. And, um, and that's why nothing happened for a couple of years there. But like a year after or something, King called me and he said, uh, there's been a lot of offers, not for King Diamond, but for Merciful Fate to get back together mm. and, um, and the original lineup. But we don't want Kim Russ to be in the band, so we want you and you're still in the family and all that. Mm. And uh, we, were supposed to, uh, we were supposed to do some festivals and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Merciful Fate, so I would love to do that, absolutely. Mm. But then I didn't hear anything for a year or something like that. 
And in the meantime, I was working on my own band and we were doing Ill Will and Andy was going to do a soul album and we started Memento Mori and all that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, so nothing happened. And then I heard that they got a Danish drummer because they are King had moved back to Denmark by that, by that time and, and Hank and, and Michael Denner lives in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. So it was more convenient for them to, to, to have a Danish drummer. Also with Tim Hansen in there. So so anyway, I was like, okay, shit happens, you know. But when they were in the studio to, to record in the shadows, then they got back to me again and said that this is not really working out with this drummer. He has some problems here. Yeah. Oh. And uh, and we want you to to, uh, to join the band. Uh, okay. And then I said that I would really like to record the drums then for the album. Oh. All right. Yeah, but we already so delayed and we're running out of, out of the budget and all that because we have to spend so much time trying to fix this with the drums and patch it together like Frankenstein it together or something. You know? <laughs> really? And, and uh, then Hank needed to record all the guitars. And, and so there won't be any time for that, but we can assure you that it's very, very good, you know, top notch. Mm. I was like, okay, of course. So, so then I joined the band and uh, that was the album. And uh, I was in the band, but uh, that, that is why my picture is there. And, uh, and he, he was doing the drums on, on the album. So, yeah. mm. That's how, but, um, you know, Lars Ulrich is playing, doing a really great job on the song there, I think. But yeah. I, I wish I could have been more persistent and said, yeah, but I really want to do this or to play on it. I can do that in three days. It wouldn't be a problem, really. But, right. but well, you know, it's always easy to look back and... and uh, he's <laughs> yeah. smart in hindsight yeah 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 but I think, I think it's a great album it has a lot of good songs out there but but I wish there could be a little bit better drum, drums on it though. yeah exactly me yeah, too so. I'd really like to hear it with you playing it <laughs> yeah, yeah I would, me too <laughs> yeah. yeah but so, so then I, we were doing the tours and all that and and, uh, and then I played those songs but so that was in the shadows, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, anything for in the shadows, Greg? No, not you asked yeah. what I was going to ask. Uh, Time though is one of my favorite Merciful Fate records ever. That's, That's funny. a great album. So a lot of people actually have that as their favorite, and I think it's a great album. But but to me, the first one you—it's always—I mean—you you cannot be objective about that. The first album that you hear with the band, it's always going to be your favorite somehow, you know. Right. Um, to me, Melissa is like wow, the the, the shit. So, oh, but yeah, but, but, but time time is probably a good, very good album. But for me, being involved, it's hard to be objective about that, you know. Yeah. So, um, what what went on on that album? Any any kind of um, crazy stories go on with that at all? Uh, actually, some a little bit of ghost stories there, but but that was more. I would say that King wanted it to be spooky, so he's like, "Wow, that's weird, that chord." Yeah, but it's just because you, you don't know really. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot explain that. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you jump to conclusions like, "Wow, that's weird and, and spooky," yeah, but it's not. It makes sense that if you play play that kind of chord. And the bass should be like that, blah blah blah. I cannot okay. go into details of that, but he no no, but it was a good album to record and um and what can I say? I mean what what happened there is that I had brought Charlie who I brought into King Diamond and, and nothing happened with King Diamond. But then it was me, Mike Weed, 
uh, and Charlie was in King Diamond with Andy and King. But right. then I brought Charlie to, to Merciful Fate after Timmy Hansen uh, quit the band. Uh, it was, from day one, it was probably supposed to be, wow, we're going to sell this as an original lineup reunion. Mm. And he only did two shows and, and the album and a, and a video. And, and then he was going to leave the band and go back to be a football coach or, or uh, whatever it is. <laughs> no. uh, um, anyway, and, uh, and they were going to, they had already planned to have this bass player from, from uh, Trouble, uh, Chicago oh, really? bass player. And I sort of objected to that as I know we're going to have Charlie. He's been waiting in the wings here now for three oh, yeah. years. So, right. so, and besides that, he's my best friend. So, so, uh, and I don't understand Danish. I don't understand what you're saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have my, my, my best buddy in the band. And, uh, so, so I brought him into Merciful Fate. And then we went on tour and, uh, and all that things, uh, all those things. And then we did the time album. And once we were done with the drums and they were going to do the bass and all that, King called us and said that, okay, I had some orders here from Brian Slagle and, and Metal Blade, that they, there are too many comparisons with the, both bands because two weeks after we, we finished the recording uh, or the mixing of time, we were supposed to be back in the same studio in Dallas, Fort Worth, and record with the same guy in the studio for the same record label because at that time, King Diamond had already signed a new contract with Metal Blade. Same right. as and then it would be out of five guys, it would be three of the same, me, King, mm. and Shanti in both bands. Yeah. You know, so so there got to be some something that separates the bands because no matter what King sings on, it's his band, it'll, basically. Right, you know? it'll sound kind yeah. of similar. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so, so I totally understood that. And I said, okay, too bad. But and since we already recorded the time album, he said that. We're gonna replace you in King Diamond, so that's why you got an all-American band for Alibi. Oh. Yeah, that's what happened. But I, I, I completely understood his point of view, of course, and, and it, there are too many similarities, of course. Yeah. Yeah. How come he didn't want Kim Rudds back in the band? I don't know. I think they have sort of buried the hatchet uh, in later years. Uh, it wasn't just King; it was the whole band. They didn't want to. Up with Kim Russ, but, but I don't understand. I, I don't know. I never met the guy. You know, so no. No. Interesting. So after the, after you want something, Craig? Uh, no, it's a, it's a shame um, that that lineup of Merciful Fate didn't last one more album. Uh, you guys sounded great on there, and mm -hmm. I really uh, I really like Charlie's bass playing actually. Yeah, but he's a fantastic musician and. Uh, a great bass player, absolutely. Oh yeah, you guys complement each other very well on that album. Great, great rhythm section. Yeah, but like I said, we grew up together, and, yeah. and he was a he was a crappy guitar player because he never practiced or anything. So, so the the reason, I mean, after we did the Eye, Pete Black and Hal Patino left the band and uh, or got kicked out, whatever. But I mean, so so we. Back then, it was 1990, I mean, we didn't have internet or anything like that. So, me, while Ole Bang, the, the, the manager and King, were shopping for deals, you know, he and Andy were put in charge of finding new members of the band. And uh, so, I invented this, this bogus 
management called SOS Management. It was at home to my mom's place. I just put a little sticker on the door. <laughs> and, uh, and we put out ads in the music magazines in Scandinavia at, the, at that time, so we could find some new guys and also asked around for the, you know, recommendations from friends and all that. But we wanted also to give a fair chance to, to people we might not know, you know. So uh, anyway, we put out those ads and uh, it didn't take long. We got like all those, what do you say, people applying for the job, like just sending in demo tapes and, and uh, letters and all that. So it was just filling up stacks at my mother's place. Oh. And uh, and I started to think like, fuck, Charlie, he's, he's such a good guy. And, and I really wanted him to, to, to have a shot at it. But... As a guitar player, he, he never practiced ever. <laughs> stuff, you know, he's he, he's a natural talent. He's very musical and stuff. But and I've been trying to say to him previously that you're such a crappy guitar player. Why don't you play bass? <laughs> <laughs> so 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 then we had found I don't know, but we had a lot of guitar players. And back in those days, you had all these. In the Malmsteen wannabes or Steve I wannabes, and I was so technical and uh, yeah, advanced guitar players, really, you know. And he could never match that, he could never live up to, to, to Angela Rock's uh, soloing or anything like that. So oh. I was like, So I called him up and say, nice I, have a, I have a, yeah, burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told him that you have a chance of a lifetime here, and you cannot turn this down because yeah. then you're an idiot. There's a, there are two spots in King Diamond as a bass player or as a guitar player. And I want you to be in the band, but, but you have to switch to bass. So let's go to Peter, our friend here, and, and, and borrow a bass and just pretend you're a bass player. Which <laughs> did. And, uh, and uh, yeah, then he joined the band, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then we also had like Mike Weed had sent in um, some cassette or whatever. And he had been with King Diamond. No, no, with Candlemas shortly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he also had this band, Hexen House. And it was like, wow, he's the perfect guy for the band. So, so all of a sudden, we had a new, this new band. And we, together uh, with Mike Weed, Charlie, me, and Andy and King, we should do Spider's Lullaby. But mm -hmm. like I just told you, that then too many similarities between bands. So I had to, to swap the members there. Would you have rather been in King Diamond instead of the Merciful Fate, or uh, are you happy to be with the Merciful Fate? Actually, I, I, if I had to choose, if I got to choose, I, I would have chosen uh, King Diamond. I think really? I, I like Merciful Fate guys and all that, but but they were I, I cannot put my finger on it, but 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 I was happier in King. I mean, that was the first thing that uh, put my name on on the map, and then that I first joined, and I was like. Really happy with that, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, I, yeah, but it's kind of weird. I, I was like going through some some shit in my life. So I suppose when I was doing the verse for fate thing there, because I wanted to contribute to write songs and all that. Right. Yeah. I was allowed to do that, and I felt sort of not neglected. But what what can you say? It's like uh, I couldn't express myself musically in that way and just playing drums i mean that's not enough for me i mean maybe it was right. when i was younger but at that point i really wanted to express myself and, and create and i had all these ideas and all that and uh, so so and i wasn't allowed to do that in, in merciful fate because it was like 
decided from, from early on that Hank writes 40%, King writes 40%, and, and then the remaining 20% it's Michael Dennett who writes, and then King writes all the And I can totally understand that. But I had so much going on that I wanted to express. So, mm. so I didn't feel too pleased about that, really, because, I mean, just playing drums, it's not enough for me. I mean, you know. Yeah. So is that why you... Was that why you left for the uh, and weren't on into the unknown? And yeah, but the thing is that the last show I did with, with Merciful Fate, we were headlining Roskilde Festival, it's a huge festival in Denmark. And at that point in '94, it wasn't that common that you played in front of 70,000 people and stuff, you know. Right. So that was like kind of a dream come true, something that you've been striving or struggling for dreaming about since you were a kid wow playing in front of a huge audience like that mm. but when i was up there it had been going on for quite some time that I, I wanted to i had so much creativity and i wanted to express that and if i wasn't allowed i felt like shut down or put aside or whatever you say right. and but that show we played in front of that many people seventy thousand people and I figured that, wow, I will be euphoric or reach nirvana or something like that. Or, uh, you know, people would kill to be in my position, be with oh. the legendary black metal or, yeah, legendary pioneer band, Merciful Fate. Right. But once I got off stage, like I dried a little bit of sweat a little bit and I had a beer. It was like, it was just another day at the job. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt... And I, I tried to, to shove that away and like pretend like, yeah, but I'm just in a bad mood or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but the thing is that I wasn't happy. You know? yeah. I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it and I, I figured, yeah, yeah it, it'll probably, probably go away or whatever. But so, so then we didn't do anything. We went back to, me and Charlie went back to Sweden and we were working on this ill will thing and then I was like so inspired to create and I played all the guitars and all that and wrote songs and, and shit. Mm. So when Hank called me like maybe in September or something, uh, oh, we have this huge, big, big European tour coming up. I haven't been thinking about Merciful Fate for a long time then because I just put uh, it away yeah. and worked on something else. And then all of a sudden everything came back to me. It's like, fuck, I got depressed. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Uh-huh. So, you know, I just walked around like in circles at home thinking about it. And then I called Hank and said, I'm sorry, but I, I cannot do this anymore. I quit. You know? so that's uh-huh. what I did. Just being in ill will, you know, writing the, this music, that's an awesome momentum war and stuff. And I was really happy about that. Because, I mean, yeah. if I couldn't contribute or be creative and have some sort of outlet for my creativity, I felt like neglected or or, or ostracized or whatever, you know. Yeah. Do you think you ever got the opportunity to do that with uh, Merciful Fate at all or no? To write, you mean? Yeah, to to contribute anything. Uh, I think Hank was really pissed off after mm-hmm. this. Uh, not at me, but because because I wasn't allowed to, to contribute. So... So for the next album, Charlie wrote a song, which he has never done. Really? <laughs> Just because they wanted to open up to keep the members happy, I suppose, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only song Charlie ever wrote in his life. You 
this week. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, because I was hoping you were going to be on the next one because I, I love that song, The Mad Arab. And then they had the part two on Into oh, the Unknown, yeah. and then yeah. the drums were different, and the you know the songs didn't really like you know connect with each other as I was hoping they would. But it is what I, it is. I, think, I actually never heard that album. Or oh no, <laughs> really? It's good. Yeah, but, it's a good album. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it's just that when I leave a band, yeah, you're done. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't listen to it at all. I never do. Really? Well, you're not missing anything from <laughs> yeah. Evil. I'll tell you that right now. No. <laughs> what is that? Dream Evil or Merciful yeah. Fate? Dream Evil. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I shouldn't say anything bad, but <laughs> <laughs> I won't hear that. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, Merciful Fate. I actually, I don't like. Um, Dead again, Dead again when they did in 97 98 um i think there's just a lot of burnout on that record you know particularly from king just trying to keep the two bands going at the same time it's just kind of flat and lifeless but i did like the final one nine yeah yeah yeah, yeah but of course it's complicated and if king is working with two bands and it's like it makes sense that okay the best songs he's going to keep to keep his solo band and and exactly. uh, so it becomes a little bit like that, uh, like uh, deprioritized or whatever his material for them. But I gotta say, the Merciful Fate is like the main writers. Is it's like fifty-fifty between Hank and uh, and King. So, so I understand that. But just like everything, when they come back, I, I think I would have loved to play drums on In the Shadows because that was really really good material that that Hank's been working on for years and they had a lot to show pretty much but after a while it's just like the sequel to any movie it's like the, the first two that are good and then it becomes like routine <laughs> yeah, yeah you pretty much said it all it's like, like the best jaws movie is number six no <laughs> 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 yeah, everything wears out after a while you got to reinvent yourself and, and try to, to move on and a lot of bands it's kind of a tricky question because people want the band to, to develop, but not too much. You know, it's got to right. stay the same thing. But if they take two big steps, it's the, oh, I don't like that. You know, so, so they want the old band to, to, to be recognizable. And okay, this is how they sound. But still, you want some sort of uh, development or, or uh, you know, pushing the limits, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tricky, yeah, but yeah. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> so, so in all, you you were pretty happy, I guess, mainly with uh, being in both bands. Yeah, I'm extremely happy, uh, especially. I mean, it's with King Diamond, especially because I mean that everything happened to me back then. Just pretty much, it felt like overnight I had been struggling so hard and tried to, to make my own band and to make it work with all those slackers and and I was like being so frustrated and all that. And then everything happened like, wow, you fly to Los Angeles and forty guys before you have tried it out and then they they didn't fix it. So I got the job and I was like, well, you had those hairdressers and and the cool good look dropped a gorgeous like makeup artist for the the Sleepless Night movie and all that. And it's like. Wow, it's a complete new world to me, you know. You know, yeah. everything happened pretty much overnight, you know. Yeah. yeah, you walk it up Sunset Strip in in the summer of '89, and it's like I got all this offer. Hey, man, you want to be a singer in our band? We're the next big thing. It's like what? The whole different 
world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it felt pretty much like everything happened overnight, over a week or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it changed my life and it put me on the map as well. I was like really happy about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it must open a lot of doors for you being in those bands. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it, you know, it really did, and I'm so grateful about that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I would have been probably would have been sitting here. Yeah, of course, I would be continuing making music and all that. But a lot of guys that I have who, who joined, they wanted to some have some sort of success and got offers from from bands that they are not so proud of nowadays because they were in that era. But King right. Diamond is something that you can never just brush off because it was really good musicianship and he also sang about Satan. <laughs> no, but yeah. that has a cool factor instead of like, oh baby, hot chicks. <laughs> that kind of crap. <laughs> he's still respected and admired because right. he's a pioneer and he's original and he's all that. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of my friends like, okay, I'm sorry, I joined that fluffy hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's how it goes. Yeah, so I'm I'm very happy about the whole King Diamond thing. It really opened up my eyes to to you know before that I played like youth centers, location, yeah. and now I got uh, you know like the first tour I did was. U.S. tour three three months in 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 America. I mean, I never been to. I mean, it was like opening up. Mm. I'm very grateful about that. It was right. very a huge experience. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Craig, got anything else? Nope. <laughs> no, all done. Oh yeah. All yeah. right, good. All right. Well, hopefully, I didn't take up too much of your time. Almost two hours. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry if I talk too much and just. No, talk. that's perfect. <laughs> Well, yeah, I could talk to you all night, but I'm sure it's later. What time is it over there? Uh, it's uh, 5 to 11. You know, so. Oh, that's not too bad. Eh, and I don't I, go to bed till 1 o'clock. I'm, half the time. I, it's I'm up all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. I need to <laughs> walk home, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, go so, walk uh, so this is sort of a special King Diamond, Merciful Fate. Uh, yeah. And some, somehow, somehow we're going to piece this all together. Like I told you, it's, if you your section probably won't be on until next year. After, you know, I'll keep it on after your book comes out. Hopefully you have it this year. Don't make me wait any longer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's a massive workload, I got to say, to do that kind of thing. I mean, if I would, I never, I'm no writer or author, obviously, but... Uh, if if I would write a, some sort of novel and just fantasize and come up with this shit, it would be so much easier. Now mm. I'm writing about my fucking childhood and, 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 and my struggle in the music business and all that. Mm. And I have a tendency of quitting bands and starting over on on uh, square one again. <laughs> so I make it really complicated for myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you did. How far are you, are you into it? Uh, I've, I've written about everything pretty much and then i knew right now i'm going through the whole thing and trying to to make it more effectful or efficient or or, or scale it down you got to be, be you know taking taking out a position of yourself and look objectively and like who's going to care about that crap and, and remove that and, and and change the order of stuff and all that so, so to make it readable and uh, so people won't fall asleep when they want to read you know. It's a, it's a tough job. I mean, I've never done anything mm -hmm. like that before, but 
I started out instead of committing suicide basically when I turned 40 and I had like a, a huge midlife crisis. Midlife oh, really? crisis. And, wow. Oh, yeah, wow. because I mean, if you put something black on white, that's like therapy. You need to be honest with yourself and, and write it down. And, and that's, a good, that's a good thing to do. I, got a, I never had a, kept a journal or a diary or anything like that. But that's actually a very good thing to do. You get a clue about yourself. And uh, when you put things down, black or white, it's like you can be objective about it and, and, and to, to process it, uh, process your life very much. You know? yeah. So that started out doing it like, like some sort of homemade therapy, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Do you, is music therapy too or no? What do you mean to make music? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean nothing nothing absolutely nothing makes me happier than to 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 write songs. Just sitting and playing acoustic guitar and come up with with my songs in, in the kitchen and I have this sort of uh let me see what this is it called it's called some sort of yeah, audio recorder that makes it like MP3s straight away so you can you know, hum, or you're singing some sort of cowboy, and you're running around and singing, or I can win now, you know. You're... <laughs> 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 yeah, but to, to make those kind of songs, and nothing makes me happier. I mean, that, that, that is, that's really my passion, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And to create the whole fucking world of, of like, everything is synchronized, like the, the artwork and, and, and uh, the, the lyrics and, and, and how you orchestrate the whole music and all that. I really like that. Yeah, it's really great. And, and it's, it's, it's just not one thing. It's a whole universe of the whole thing. And that's what I tried to capture. You, know? you were like into Kiss Destroyer. You, you, you like, when I mentioned that you were, got excited there, I saw. And, and I mean, that's what I tried to create. Like what you yeah, see. See my little kiss, uh, my kiss thing back there. No, I don't see it there. I see something. I don't see my, Guess, yeah, uh, something kids, yeah. 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 Yeah, but I mean, to me, that was like, wow, this is like uh, listening to an uh, action movie, a soundtrack to action movie with cars crashing and children crying and all that. And I thought it was so cinematic and so cool. And that's that combination for me, who was really into horror comics and, and superhero comics like Batman and the Werewolf and Dracula. Yeah. That was like, wow, this is music at the same time. And it sounds like that. And that's really what I have as a goal in life to try to recreate that. I mean, not just for what you listen to, but what you see as well. You know? yeah. So yeah. that's my yeah, main right. goal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on. And um, hopefully we can get you on like uh, when around your book, uh, around the time your book comes out. We can talk we about your book. We'll definitely yeah, do that. Definitely. Definitely. Hopefully, we're still on. Right. Oh, and Greg just fell. <laughs> Is that your brother behind you there? No, it's my roommate. <laughs> Look a little bit. Yeah, as long as the show's still on, we will definitely have you on again because uh, you're a lot of fun. You're a great interviewer. I yeah, really appreciate it. I like that kind of filter, so I just say whatever, you know. So <laughs> that's hey, that's what makes the show good. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate you having me. So, take care, guys, and uh, sort of. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on, Snowy. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great talking to you. Yeah, absolutely, it was really nice. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I know you said you're not real interested in uh, going into uh, past things, but uh, 
be really cool to see that Ill Will uh, album re-released on vinyl. <laughs> well, but that would be a cool thing. But yeah, actually, vinyl has. How is it in America with vinyl? I mean, I mean, there's a. I got to say, in Europe and, and Sweden in particular, I mean, vinyl is taking over so much from from CDs and and uh, even digital. I guess you know. Yeah, it, it um, it's happened a little bit slower here, but uh, it's it's the fastest uh, growing uh, sales in the music business. I I know it outsold CDs last year, and it's on its way to taking over digital downloads too. But it's kind of weird. I I heard statistics say that uh, that eighty percent of those people, and it's not just old farts like ourselves. It, it's like teenagers who buy vinyls these yeah, days. Yeah. It's because maybe they grew up in the digital era and everything is available on, on the net. So now you actually get to touch something physical. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. You can actually look at it. So 80% of those guys who buy uh, vinyl LPs, they don't even have a turntable. They don't have a record player. So they put it in the, in the, on the shelf and just look at it and listen to it digitally. Huh. That's kind of weird. But, you know, that's... Yeah. But yeah, even, well, over where I am, there's new record stores opening all the time, and even like the thrift shops and things that we have here, yeah. they always have tons and tons of vinyl. It, they're selling like crazy. Yeah, but that is something I could never have predicted or or said. Wow, vinyl! I don't think is, anybody did. No, no. Yeah, yeah, so there is. I mean, they open up. Friends of mine open up a vinyl printing plant here in Gothenburg, and uh, that's the only one in in Scandinavia, and. and uh, and they just opened last year, and they are, yeah. you know, going going through the roof. They have so much work and, and and so much orders and stuff. So that's really impressive, really. Yeah. It is. I just wish yeah. the prices were a lot cheaper. God, some of them are like thirty dollars for the records. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's but it's a really positive thing. And uh, but I heard that it has. I heard some rumors that it's kind of flattened out a little bit and, and lost interest. So those real enthusiasts I'm sure it will be because it's it's getting flooded. Yeah. I'm sure it will though because it's it's getting the market's getting flooded now. Every, everybody wants records and they're pushing it too much. You know. Yeah, yeah but what I heard and is that just cassette, like everything that they push too much, it's going to be yeah oh, cassette. Yeah, cassettes is coming back. That's what I heard. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're already back. There's. <sighs> Everything on now. There's there's uh, digital. There's CDs. There's cassettes now and vinyl. And this is everything. I mean, oh, I think everybody's trying to. What? They're even trying to bring back eight tracks. I yes, they're doing that too. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It I no mean, is it, is it just for for collectors? You think, or is it for I for think so? Yeah, collectors. Well, yeah, it's a collector. See, thing. this is the argument I've been given specifically about the cassettes and I've talked to both, you know, people that would buy them and then bands and a lot of these more local up and coming bands uh, say it's cheaper and easier to put the music out that way, which I really don't understand because one, where the hell are these kids going to get a cassette player? And uh, two, you know, it just seems there wouldn't be many uh, magnetic tape plants left to make them you know it seems like making up your own uh cdr or even doing it digitally would be easier yeah yeah and then as far as the collecting goes you know uh it's just shrunk down so much smaller i'd rather have an lp or even a cd where i could actually 
read the lyrics and look at yeah. the uh, cover art without needing a magnifying glass, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no way of stopping the, the, the time. I mean, everything is changing, but to me, I think I, I, I don't have a tape recorder or, or a player or a, even a... I have a turntable, but I haven't put on a fucking LP in 15 years at least. So I sold my whole collection like a, yeah, a couple of months ago. Because I figured, okay, now there's an interest where it. actually I can earn something for it. So, next time I move, I, I'm not going to bring thousand LPs with me. I mean, I, and why should I have four Marillion albums? I never listened to them once. I think, you know? <laughs> but, but I mean, of course, I put it on the wall and fr in frames and all that with. Sad Wings of Destiny, Juris Priest, or Queen 2, or, or Welcome to My Nightmare, all my favorite albums. Some people, uh, some Elpis I couldn't sell, of course, because it's so much of my childhood and all that. Right. But, but right. it's just yeah. a sentiment, sentimental value, I suppose. But, but why should I have a lot of, oh, I have some 10 CC album and, and whatever, why should I have just sold it? <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, but it's, it's a very good thing that it's coming back. Uh, in a way, though. Do you like, are you into the digital stuff at all now? Yeah, but that's, sorry, I lost <laughs> lost my thread there. But, but the thing is that uh, uh, I only listen to, to, uh, to Spotify. That's right. the, yeah, because it's so convenient in your phone or, yeah. or, or your computer. It's so easy. So, yeah. so even if you're offline, I mean, you, if you're walking out in the forest or whatever, you have no connection, you can still listen to music. So it's very, very convenient. But the, the problem is that the artists won't, the bands won't get their, their share of their royalties because it disappears with all the middle hands and that's the biggest problem. You know? And that is what yeah. needs to change. But otherwise, I, it's a very, very convenient thing. I remember I was in Mexico and people were complaining sort of like, fans that wow you put out your live album the first one i did with my solo thing uh why don't you release it on cd and i said um, maybe you're a little bit behind us i said you know because spotify is also a swedish invention you know um and, and i said name a song i said and i took my my iphone they said oh nightwish this and that and i just like oh here it is you know it's a, it's so convenient and once they got the digital like the, the spotify and uh, whatever it is itunes and all that the whole the whole industry for physical products died in in mexico you know yeah. so, so, so oh, wow. yeah it's what can i say about that i mean it's kind of sad for the musicians but the, the, it's a very convenient uh, model but uh the thing is that the, the, the artists won't get their share of the, of the money or can, cannot earn anything from it. And that's the problem, I think. You know. Yeah, but I'll let you guys go. I need to go walk the dog. Right. Go, let, Me too. go let the dog out. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks, All right. Thank you very much. You too. Really appreciate it. Talk to you <laughs> soon. You so All, All right. right. Take Goodbye. care. You too. Bye -bye. Thank you.